special edition of The Shot Show. So the regular season in college football is over. We're into postseason now. Championship games are this weekend. Coastal Carolina not playing in one of those, but that doesn't mean we can't talk about them. So we're going to look ahead to what these games bring and what last weekend really did in the national landscape. Some crazy things have gone down. Let's start with the craziest of them all, Bedlam. Oklahoma State holds on to beat Oklahoma. Caleb Williams on a 50-yard run gets them right down in there. Could have possibly won that game. And Oklahoma State stands strong. And then two days later, Lincoln Riley's on a plane to Southern California. What are your takeaways from the game and that insanity? Yeah, so the game itself was absolutely crazy. It was an all-time classic. It's exactly what you want to see on Rivalry Week. But to get that news, that was extremely shocking to me. I get that their season's over, but I honestly, to be completely honest, kind of forgot about that job being open other than Helton going to Georgia Southern. But that's just extremely – I mean, it's kind of – I think the reason it's so shocking for me is because what he's done at Oklahoma – to build them up to a national contender every year. They've made the playoffs a couple times as well. USC hasn't even sniffed the playoffs since it was even introduced. And that would be like, I feel like he's definitely, I know what the name is and I know their facilities and what they can be to college football, but it definitely feels like he's taking a step down to me. Maybe he wants a new challenge, but I was surprised to see that from a coach that hasn't even gotten to a national championship yet to go and, completely restart was kind of confusing especially with a guy like Caleb Williams coming in as a freshman yeah Caleb Williams playing his mind out not only in that game but the second half of the season from Texas onward right he's been phenomenal and so phenomenal that today Spencer Rattler announced he's entering the transfer portal a guy that was quite literally the (laughs) preseason Heisman favorite will have a new jersey on next season because he got outplayed by freshmen that dude's a baller and you know, Lincoln Riley, it's reported that he's taking almost half of his staff with him to, to Southern California. Now, you said it was a step down. I disagree. I think it's a step up. I don't think USC is as, as successful, but you have the California recruiting base. You have insanely rich and insanely devoted alumni that you can just – it's a blank check. As long as you win them 10 games a season – which I think a competent coach like Lincoln Riley can do, you have a blank check to private jet to fly to some kid's game and bring him into the fold. And, you know, you can go back to the days of Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush in, in a hurry as the head coach of USC, especially if that head coach is, is Lincoln Riley. And, you know, I know Oklahoma's joining the SEC. That was kind of the reported rumor was he was pissed that they were going to the SEC um, we don't know why. My speculation would be it's a tougher conference, and now Oklahoma that, you know, they recruit really well in Texas. They are a national brand. They're a Jordan school that helps. But they don't necessarily have the homegrown talent, and now you have to fight against the Alabamas and the Auburns of the world where before you were fighting against, Baylor, you know, Baylor and TCU and Iowa State. Like, how hard is that to convince a kid to come to you rather than those? So, I mean, I think it's a step up for him. I think that the expectations are very, very high for him, and he has to live up to them very quickly. But I think it's a step up. It's still insane to me, though. My question is, do you think Caleb Williams transfers with him, 
Or do you think maybe he even snags Rattler back? That's what I really look at. I think, if anything, he snags Rattler back. But I think Rattler would be so disenfranchised with him that with he wouldn't want to yeah. do it. Like, he benched him halfway through the season when he was Heisman favorite. Like, I don't think you go back to that coach. I don't think it's completely out of the question that Spencer Rattler doesn't end up a Trojan. But, you know, he's got Jackson Dart there. And I think Keaton Slovis has another year of availab- uh, eligibility. Excuse me. So, you know, I think he's got talent in the quarterback room. I think the other thing that this did is recruiting, you know, has really changed. I mean, Oklahoma has four of its top five incoming prospects, not just in 22, a couple of them are in 23, have already decommitted. And, you know, some people are crying foul. Oklahoma spent a lot of money recruiting Southern California this year, brought a bunch of talent in from that area, and now they're all decommitting and looks like they're going to end up at, at Southern California with, with Coach Riley. So that's an interesting thing to look out for too. Yeah, I think that I think that I'm about like you, Curtis. I think this is a step up. I mean, USC is one of the most promising uh, football programs in all of college football, and to win and to win at USC, you have to be willing to win and not just win, but you have to win immediately. It's, 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 there is no second chance for Lincoln Riley if this doesn't work out. So I, I think that this is going to be a really good challenge for him. Um, and you got that rivalry with USC and UCLA with Chip Kelly coaching the Bruins. So that's going to be interesting to see next year when they play and everything. So I'm just I'm curious to see how that's going to go. I'm also curious to see where uh, Spencer Rattler will end up. I don't think he's going to end up at USC either, not with everything that's been going on. I think the kicker for him, for me, when I saw that game, I think it was against West Virginia when they were chanting, we want Caleb. The students section was out there chanting for Caleb Williams, and they finally got him. Uh, at the Red River robbery. But, um, yeah, this is definitely Caleb Williams' team. I don't think he's going to transfer. I think this is – even with the coaching change, I think he'll still stay. I would be shocked if he leaves as well. Um, but I'm just – it was a complete shot to me as well. I did not expect this to happen. Yeah, I think the USC job is one of those that you put in the top tier of college football, right? Like Alabama, Notre Dame, USC, Texas. Texas, you can make an argument for. I think Texas has fallen – in a, a lot bit. of ways lately. Oh, yeah. a lot. But I think, you know, and then to throw a fifth one in there, probably Ohio State mm-hmm. as like the five most prominent jobs in all of college football. No, I think Oklahoma is just a step below that. But, I mean, to be the head coach of USC and, and like I said, have a blank check to do whatever you want, I don't know how he turns that down, as shocking as this move was. Now, you know, it brings us to, to the wider coaching carousel that's going on. <laughs> the void that Lincoln Riley leaves behind, you know, he fills probably the most prominent coaching op- opening that's available right, right now. Oklahoma has n- literally now replaced South uh, Southern California in that respect as the number one opening available. But you've got LSU open. You had Florida open. They filled that with Billy Napier. Uh, we'll get in a little bit more in depth with that. You know, you've got SMU is now open. I know that's not a terribly, you know, crazy, but, like, it's in Dallas. It's a team that competes. You've got Virginia Tech Mm -hmm. is now open. You're going to have a couple more come open, you know, after bowl season. Right. Um, I I think this is going to be one of the craziest years in coaching carousel terms 
You've got James Franklin and Mel Tucker locked themselves up, decided we're not leaving, we're going to stay at our current programs. And craziness will ensue because those are two of the top candidates to move to some of these other jobs. Do we think, and again, we're a Coastal-centric podcast, do you think Jamie Chadwell ends up at one of these jobs in the craziness that is this coaching carousel? You know, uh, we've talked about this a lot. and Right now, I would say no for not really any great reason other than he hasn't done it yet and he keeps deflecting it and is such a family-oriented guy. And we see that a little bit more than like the national media will, but he truly loves it here and his kids really love it here. Well, for the most part, except for Oklahoma, but that's a different story. (laughs) But he's so centered here and I think, and that's what he always says, but I really truly believe that he wants to build something here. But if he leaves and takes one of these other jobs, I can't really be mad, especially if it's like LSU or Oklahoma. So we'll see. But right now, I'll have to say no. It's something I really haven't had that much time to think about. We've been crazy busy. But right now, I'll say no. Yeah, and and the reason I bring it up is is the Chadwell family is massive Oklahoma fans. Do I think he ends up the head coach of Oklahoma? No. Um, but, I mean, their dog is literally named Boomer, <laughs> as in Boomer Sooner, right? So, you know, I, I think his agent would reach out. I think his agent should reach out. I hold nothing against Jamie Chadwell if he's interested in the Oklahoma job. But, you know, it's something that we need to discuss. It's something we need to have a conversation about of, like, hey, this guy is, is great. He's amazing for Coastal. But there's potential that he ships off for something different and something new this off season. I'll say yes. I will say yes. You guys can't sit here and tell me that none of these teams have been trying to reach out to Jamie Chadwell. One of the best coaches here in the Sun Belt tell me that they don't want him to come coach at their university. A bigger market, bigger team, bigger exposure. Bigger budget. Bigger budget. Everything. Blank check. You can't tell me. That that seven-year contract we gave him last year, Ain't nothing. Ain't nothing compared to what none of these schools that don't have a coach can't even go over and match it right. or go over it. Right. His buyout is pocket change for most of these <laughs> schools. So it's like, who cares? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think if the right job comes along, I think Chadwell takes it. And I think I don't hold anything against him for it. No. I don't, you know, I, I, I think as much as we love him and as much as I think he's important to the future of this school, I think if he takes the right job, I'm not upset. If he ends up the head coach at, like, Louisiana, I'm pissed. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yes, very. Yes. But, like, if, if he makes the jump to Power 5, if he ends up at Vautech or, you know, Oklahoma's offensive coordinator or, you know, LSU or something like that, which I think is a little bit out of reach for him. I don't think it's, you know, insane to expect him to jump to Power 5. But I think a Power 5 of, of Oklahoma's stature a little bit too high, especially when – their number one reported candidate is Cliff Kingsbury, who's the head coach of the Cardinals. I think it's a pretty far step down to Jamie Chadwell. But, like, I wouldn't hold it against him, and I wouldn't, you know, I, I would be excited to see what his career holds moving forward. Yeah, one thing I will say is if somehow he does not end up moving on from Coastal this offseason, then I think he'll, then he really is here for good. Because if he can pass up this coaching carousel, then I think he can pass up everything and I think if he stays, then it's a real sign for Coastal to find any facilities you have to get this man the biggest contract any group of five coaches ever had because if he's, he's going to be mentioned in 
10 jobs this offseason and do interviews and whatever. If he stays here, we really got to work on keeping him. But if he stays here, I think he's here for the long run. And and you guys, everybody knows if he does leave, half the team going with him. Grayson, Grayson McCall, gone. Well, why wouldn't he? You know, like Grayson McCall was an unheralded recruit and – he played Jamie Chadwell's offense in high school. He's played it phenomenally now. Jamie Chadwell's not going to go somewhere and be like, actually, now we're going to run a two-tight yeah, end right. power <sighs> run. Get- no, he's going to run the same offense, and, and Grayson McCall runs it better than anybody in the country. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like, if, if he does leave, half the team's going with him, and then we're going to have to figure out who we're going to bring in to replace a back-to-back 10-win coach. Yeah. And you may see the whole staff go with him. Or yeah, some of the staff might go with him. Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me if you end up with Moglia in charge again. Right. Which I don't think is the worst thing in the world. I don't think it's great. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a weird kind of thing. But you know, we mentioned it earlier, Billy Napier going to Florida, which I think is a good hire for Florida. Billy Napier is, has He's turned insane. Louisiana into an absolute powerhouse in the Sun Belt and in Group of Five in general. And I think he's going to do good things at Florida, especially now that he can – you know, recruit at a much higher level with a much higher budget in a state that has a much higher level of talent. I think he'll be really great there, but it shakes up the Sun Belt for sure. You know, Louisiana returned 21 of 22 starters this season. They're not going to return that number next year. And let's put the hypothetical out there. Jamie Chadwell stays and Jamie Chadwell turns down this coaching carousel. This is now your opportunity to prove that you're the best coach in the Sun Belt now that Billy Napier's left, and you can really put a mark down, and you can say, yes, I am the best, and then I am building at Coastal. And I think it does good things for the program and for Jamie Chadwell's name to, to now replace Billy Napier as, as the best coach in the Sun Belt. So moving on to other really great games this weekend, the Iron Bowl. I mean, Auburn, with about a minute and 30 seconds left, had a 99.9% chance of winning this game. They fail on a third down, have to punt, and then Bryce Young leads a 97-yard drive to score a touchdown with little to no time left, force overtime. And then in quadruple overtime, they pull out the victory, which now leads to a 1v2 Sun, or excuse me, uh, SEC championship game, which is going to be really fun and really impactful moving forward. Yeah, it was a fantastic game. Bama kept their playoff hopes alive, and really to see Bryce Young step up in that fourth overtime, I don't know what Auburn was doing, but whoever it was ran that little out route from the slot and was just absolutely wide open. To have a walk-off two-point conversion like that was fantastic, and it was good to see Alabama get challenged again, and good to see a testament of really what rivalry week is all about, and we saw a lot of close games this weekend, but fantastic game to watch, and that game didn't really impact the overall picture of the season too much because Alabama came out with the win. Yeah, I think that, like you guys said, it was really a great game, a really great comeback for Alabama. Um, it was it was really, like you said, I really thought it was over. I didn't think that Alabama um, would come and tie this game up and send it to overtime, but Bryce Young in 12 seconds left, you know, he, he does what he did, and that's why Bryce Young is one of the, one of the favorites – now you have to say this kind of like was a Heisman moment for him, yeah. you know, leading a comeback like this against your arch rival and coming back and winning in four overtimes. You got to put him in the conversation for the Heisman. 
if he wasn't in the high, uh, conversation then, he's probably in it now. So it's, it's it really was, um, you know, it was really good win for Alabama. Now they move on to take on Georgia in the SEC championship game this Saturday. And, you know, really just heartbreaking for Auburn fans. You know, you got to hear it another year from Crimson Tide fans. But, you know, just really great game. Yeah, it was a really great game. And, you know, Auburn had nothing to lose. They were coming into the season with – you know, a barely winning record, and they put up a fight, and they, they looked like they were going to win. Like I said, ninety nine point nine percent chance to win. They had a third and one in Auburn terror, or excuse me, in Alabama territory. That if they convert, Alabama's out of tight, uh, out of timeouts, and they they take a couple knees and win the game. They can't convert. They have to punt. Bryce Young delivers a, a masterclass of a two minute drive and ties this game up. And you know, as much as it. it pains me to say this because I don't like Alabama. Um, I think that now they've cemented their place in the playoff too. <sighs> I, I, well, you know, that brings us to another discussion, and, and it's, it's a discussion that I really want to have. We talked about Oklahoma State. They win. They have one loss on the season. You know, Michigan has one loss on the season. You've got a Cincinnati team that's undefeated, and then you've got Georgia and Alabama themselves. Out of those four teams, who gets in? Who gets in for you guys right now? Right now, I'm taking Georgia, Ohio State, uh, not Ohio State, no, Georgia, Alabama, Cincinnati, and Michigan. That's what I got to take. Michigan, probably going to be two in the college football playoff rankings this week. I wouldn't be surprised. Bama probably stay three, and Cincinnati probably stay four. We'll um, see. I think Oklahoma State will probably be five. But, I, again, I really wouldn't be surprised if they jumped Cincinnati, really, at all. Well, I, I think Georgia is going to be in, regardless of if they win or lose, come Saturday. Um, number two, I still got Michigan. I think they're going to beat Iowa in the Big Ten. They should beat them. I mean, after that whole emotional win. I'll say it's emotional. It was ten years since they had beaten Ohio State, so it was very emotional. Um, I, I think Cincinnati's going to win, so I'll keep them at three. Um, I don't think they're going to jump Michigan, not after, you know, especially if they no. play really well against uh, Iowa. I don't think they'll jump to number two. And number four, I can't say Alabama right now because I think that they're not going to beat Georgia. I think that Georgia's going to beat Alabama come Saturday. And with two losses, no team has ever made – the college football playoff with two losses, so I think that's going to X them out and enter Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State comes in at four. If they can go ahead and handle business against Baylor in the Big 12 championship game, I think that we'll be seeing uh, Oklahoma State in. Yeah, the ultimate chaos scenario is this weekend. You know, Alabama wins the SEC championship game. Oklahoma State wins the Big 12. Michigan wins the Big 10. And Cincinnati wins the AAC. Because then now you've got a Georgia team that has one loss, but their one loss is in a championship game, and as long as they don't get blown out, they've looked amazing all season. So they're definitely in. You've got an Alabama team that's SEC champions in one loss. You've got Michigan, who's you know Big Ten champions in one loss. You've got Cincinnati, who's undefeated, but a group of five champion. You've got Oklahoma State, who's one loss and a, a Big 12 champion. And let's not forget, you've got one loss Notre Dame there, too. Now they're one losses to Cincinnati, so I don't think you can put Notre Dame ahead of Cincinnati because we've already seen that they can beat them. But, like, that's an insane scenario for the committee to go over. 
I think if everything goes to chalk and Georgia wins, I've got Georgia, Michigan, Oklahoma State, and Cincinnati. Yeah, that, like, that I wouldn't complain at all on that. And Oklahoma <clears throat> State quietly, I think, has five ranked wins, which has got to be up there for top in the country. And they've already beat Baylor. They play him again. Let's not mention that if they beat Baylor, I assume Baylor will probably be seven or something next week. That's a win against the number seven team in the country. So if they don't get in, they'll definitely have something to gripe about. If, if that scenario plays out like you just said, Curtis, I'm sorry to say it, and I hate to say it, because they've really played well this year, and they deserve to be in the playoff. But I think they're going to get knocked out. I think Cincinnati – yeah, gets booted out, and you got to put Georgia in just because of the the work that Georgia's put in as well. I mean, for them to only have one loss if they do lose on Sun on Saturday to Alabama, to losing the SEC championship game, the committee. If I know them the way we've all known them, and you've had your soapbox with them a few times this a couple of weeks, yeah. uh, so I think that um, you you just, I hate to do it to them. I hate to do it to Cincinnati, but they're gonna have to get booted out, and you're gonna have to. You're going to have to put Georgia in there because it's not well, fair yeah. to Georgia to get knocked out of the four. And you've been number one pretty much all year for the most part. Um, it just wouldn't be right to them. and it, But, you know, it really is not going to be right to um, Cincinnati either. So that's when I think that's when they're going to start getting more of the expansion of the playoff to come into play if that does happen. Yeah, if you that scenario plays out, then you have what? Georgia in, Bama in, Michigan in, right? And then you have to choose between Cincinnati and Oklahoma State. Yeah. Essentially. Right. And I don't think I don't think the committee picks a group of five team in that scenario. Over. I don't think they do, especially when Oklahoma State has this marquee win over uh, Oklahoma that's so recent. I think that's the other thing. You look back at Cincinnati's schedule, their marquee win is over Notre Dame, but that was in like week two or three. It was early. It was very early, early in the season. season. Like that. It's like you've forgotten about it, right? Mm-hmm. You've forgotten about how good this team is because they haven't played a marquee nationally televised game in a long, long time where Oklahoma State's was a week ago. And they have a really tough schedule, Oklahoma State. Yeah, They'd have five sure. ranked wins and not get in. And they haven't played well. Cincinnati hasn't played well these last couple yep. of weeks either. Yep. So they're going to look at that too. Yeah, they blew out East Carolina this weekend, but they haven't played – you know, up to their standards the couple of weeks before that. And, you know, there was a reason, and as much as it upset me and I went off on my soapbox, there was a reason they were number six in the first college football playoff poll. You know, there was a reason that they had dropped all that way from their AP poll number two all the way down to six in the college football playoff. They weren't playing well. And now you've got this weird scenario, and and I know we're, we're kind of playing with ifs, hands, and buts, but you know, to get into the sugar and nuts part, like, I think that Oklahoma State winning eliminates Notre Dame completely. I think Cincinnati winning no- eliminates Notre Dame completely, too. Yeah. I don't think you can make an argument to put Notre Dame in, this, in the playoff above Cincinnati if Cincinnati beat them. Right. I think the <clears throat> I think you can't put in Alabama if they lose, but you can't leave them out if they win. And it puts you in a weird scenario where you're going to have two SEC teams in. The Big Ten champion will be in as long as it's Michigan. And you've got now a decision between Oklahoma State and Cincinnati, and it's just an impossible situation. The thing for me is I really hope that Georgia wins because I want three new teams in the college football playoff. That'd be awesome. Like, I'm sick of seeing Clemson Orange. 
and I'm sick of seeing Alabama, and I'm sick of seeing Ohio State. Like, let me get something new in there, something exciting. Uh, you know, <clears throat> I'd much rather replace the Clemson orange with Oklahoma State orange. I, I'd yeah. love to replace the Alabama red with, you know, Cincinnati red and, and you know, replace, I don't know, replace Oklahoma with, with Michigan. Like, uh, yeah, a, a historic team that's finally found its footing after years and years of slipping. You know, that's exciting to me to have three new teams in this year. Now that's all up to Georgia taking care of business and the other teams too. Let's not, you know, let's not, let's not exaggerate and say that Michigan and Cincinnati and, and Oklahoma State all have easy games this weekend. They don't. But if everything goes to chalk, I think this could be a really, really exciting college football playoff. Yeah, and one thing I do want to mention, we're a Coastal podcast, so I'm always going to kind of throw Coastal into it. If Cincinnati beats Houston, they'll have two ranked wins on the season. Coastal Carolina last year had three ranked wins on the season, also had a top 10 win, and they didn't even sniff the top 10. So if you even look at that, as opposed to last year, Cincinnati's getting a ton of favoritism as well because Coastal had a harder schedule last year than Cincinnati does this year. But I really don't see – I think Cincinnati could definitely get screwed here, and I think that will be the narrative of this college football playoff season. And I'm certainly not betting on them to make the playoff just because of how I've seen Group of Five hate come on, but it will be interesting to see how these last couple weeks wrap up. Yeah, and I think, you know, as much as I don't want to say this and as much as I hope it's not true, Cincinnati not making the playoff is the best thing for the playoff. Right. I think Cincinnati not making it as an undefeated team that has a marquee victory over a historic, powerful team that's right below them in the rankings. It's not like Notre Dame is just a name, but they finished the season 6-6. Six and six. They're a good damn team that Cincinnati beat. I think Cincinnati being left out leads to the expansion that we've all wanted and we all need. But looking back at another exciting game, a game that is the definition of football, the game in Ann Arbor this year, uh, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan finally overcomes Ohio State 10 years. And, you know, that game was special. That game was fun to watch in the snow in the tough, brutal conditions, two teams that absolutely hated each other. They had a fight in the tunnel coming oh, yeah. out of halftime. Like, that's football in a nutshell is, is that game right there. And it was super exciting and super awesome to see that. And, you know, it's, I, I wish we could get that every week. I wish, you know, we could get a game that fun and that exciting every week. But to have the game be the game was fun again. Yeah, and if somebody's ever one of those people that's like, College football is way better than the NFL. I won't even watch the NFL. That's probably why a game like that. I've never seen an NFL game get even nearly as heated as that. And it was truly special. And I think if you want to put college football under a microscope and market that, say this is what college football is about, that was that game. And it was special. And Michigan pulled off, I'm not going to say an upset, but an upset in the terms that Michigan hasn't won in the past, what, 10 years now? And it was special to see Harbaugh get that win after signing this extension the past summer, and that was really their main goal of the season. And for me, it was it was really great to see Harbaugh get this win. I'm I'm not I'm not pro Michigan, and I'm not pro Ohio State, but you know, to see a to see a coach lose 0-4 <laughs> against their arch rival, and throughout these whole last two years, 
you were hearing questions of whether they were going to keep yep. John right, Harbaugh right, or not. Right. You know, there were questions looming. The alumni was fed up. You know, they wanted him out. And people in the big people in Michigan wanted him out. But, you know, the president of the, of the university decided to stick with him. Didn't want to, you know, cut the cord right then and there. Wanted to see what he could do. And finally it happened. Ten years. To put it in perspective, the quarterback of Michigan ten years ago, <laughs> Denard Robinson. Number 98, Shoelace out there running around beat, beat Ohio State. That's how NCAA long ago. NCAA 14. That's yeah. it. That's how long ago it was for those that don't know. So it was really great to see Michigan finally get over the hump and beat their rival, Ohio State. And, you know, it, like you said, in the snow, they're chopping it up. In the post pregame, you know, it was just a really beautiful thing to see. The fans stormed the, the field. Yeah, right. You know, it was it was really great to see. Another great thing was Jawan Howard, Michigan's head coach, even went up to John Harbaugh and gave him a hug and congratulated him yeah, after the game. On the field in the middle of that chaos, right. you see just big Jawan Howard come out there and, and congratulate Harbaugh. It was it was fun to see. And you know, there's a lot of people out there that don't watch football, that don't love sports the way that the three of us in here do. And this is one of those games that I'll show, you know, that person and be like, hey, here's why you should care. This game is why you should care. This performance is why you should care. This game is right up there for me with, like, the kick six. This game is right up there with me for, you know, one of the best college football games in a long, long time, going back to, you know, Reggie Bush and Vince Young and that, national championship game you could show them this game and you have a new football fan on your hands like this this is awesome and you know to build off of that Jim Harbaugh had one of my favorite quotes of the season like I'm a Penn State fan you know as much as I love Coastal I'm I'm just as big a Penn State fan so I don't necessarily like either of these teams but Harbaugh comes out after the game and has the quote of the year that I am so tempted to get a t-shirt of. He goes, some people start on third base and think they hit a triple as a shot to Ryan Day taking over Ohio State and having everything that Ohio State is without, you know, actually being a proven coach. And I think Ryan Day is fine. But just that attitude that these two have towards each other of, you know, we hate you, you hate us, we're going to continue to hate each other. And Harbaugh perpetuating that in the post game of, man, some people start on triple or start on third base and think they hit a triple. I, I want, I want a T-shirt with that quote on it. Yeah, that was that was fantastic. It was great. It really was. But hey, shout out to Hassan Haskin. Yeah, the five rushing touchdowns yeah. against Ohio State. Really, without him, I don't think they win this game. No, so. no, no, not at all. And and one of those touchdowns, Ohio State let him score. <laughs> Still counts, but like the last one, you could definitely see their defensive lineman just stood up and walked backwards with the offensive lineman, and he walked in for a touchdown. But like you know, it's it's still an incredible performance to put in against your arch rival, and now you've got a shot at the playoff. You know, Harbaugh said today that the win over Ohio State is a lot like the 1980s U.S. men's hockey team. They beat the Soviet Russia, or they beat Soviet Russia in the semifinal. That wasn't the gold medal game. They still had to go out and beat, I believe, Sweden or Finland right. in the gold medal game. Your season's not over. You beat Michigan. That's checkbox number one. You've still got two more. you still got a Big Ten championship, and you've got a bowl game. And you might have, if everything goes to plan, you've got three game check marks left. Big Ten championship, 
semifinal national championship mm-hmm. game. And that's that would be exciting for that fan base to, you know, they've been really harsh on Harbaugh, and like you said earlier, they wanted him gone. And for him to turn them into a playoff team eight months after they were calling for his head is, is an insane thing. But sticking in the Big Ten, one of the, the weirdest storylines of the season, Nebraska. The best three and nine team ever? Question mark. <laughs> they finished Big Ten play one and eight, and that sounds terrible. And it was. Their point differential in those nine games, zero. They beat uh, Northwestern by fifty-six and lost their eight combined games in the Big Ten by fifty-six points. They played Ohio State. They played Michigan. They played Michigan State. They played a, 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 a Wisconsin team that, and, a, and a Minnesota team that's really good. And they come out of the season 3-9, and nine, but with a point differential of zero in conference play. Like, that's – I mean, they're not a good team. They're 3-9, and nine, but that's, that's an incredible stat. They're definitely the best 3-9 and nine team of all time. Yeah, I remember watching that. They were playing Michigan, and it was one of the late games. In – Watching that game, they looked like the better team than Michigan and that Martinez kid that they have at quarterback. He's a pretty darn good quarterback. And, yeah, they, they, their growth this season as well. From that Illinois game, they looked pretty terrible. People were calling for Scott Frost's head after the first game, and they have been all season. But they got a lot better. It just shows you how hard it is to win in those conferences. If you put them, drop them in a different conference, like the American – they're ten and two, something like that, and maybe they're maybe they're in Cincinnati's spot. I'd love to see them play Cincinnati, so we could kind of see a gauge. But it shows you how brutal it is to play in a conference like that, and that's why I think I, that's another reason why I question. I don't really question it, but Texas and Oklahoma moving to SEC, there are still only two spots in the championship game, so it, they're going to get beat up, and it just shows you how good those conferences really are. Yeah, I, for me, I think that, you know, they just – Scott Frost really – I don't think he anticipated, you know, getting a team like this, coming from UCF, doing the things that he did to get them the prominence, to get them to be on the map. And I think that he thought that he was just going to do the same thing here when, in true honesty, I think everybody here can say that, you know, ever since he's gotten to Nebraska, it's just been really just – one disappointment after another. And, you know, it kind of feels like another Jim Harbaugh situation here. You know, he kind of just started out kind of like Jim Harbaugh did with Michigan. And now you just got to wonder, like, what's going to happen? Is he going to stay? They're asking for his head, like Josh said, said, against uh, Illinois first game of the year. Uh, And they didn't play really well last year. Um, So you got to kind of wonder, is the president of Nebraska getting upset along with the alumni and the boosters? You know they're getting upset. They want to see Nebraska get back to the way they used to be not so long ago. Um, They were in the Big Ten championship game back when they had Ndamukong Mm -hmm. Sue. You know, that's really not that long ago, guys, if you think about it. So you got to kind of wonder what's going to happen. Are they going to keep him and hope that they get better? Or are they going to get rid of him? And is that going to be another coaching carousel that we're going to have to be talking about? Maybe somebody might want to go there. But I, I really hope that he can turn it around. I think that he's a great coach. 
um, that can really turn this program around. But it's gonna have to. He's gonna have to recruit better, and he's gonna have to get the players to buy in on the system that he has to try to get them to get back to where they used to be. Yeah. yeah. What do you do with that statistic right there? I'm sure Scott Frost is gonna tattoo that statistic on his arm and be like, right here, this is why I shouldn't be fired. Where do you? What do you use that statistic for? Because it shows that you can compete in your conference and that you're only one step away, but three and nine is not great and at all, and it's not what you got them there for. So I don't know what you do with that information. It's a great stat, but what do you do with it? Right, and, you know, the the days of, of Frazier and the Fumble Ruski and even in the days of Indomitian Sioux at, at Nebraska are far over. And in, in a national recruiting battle like it is now, you know, it's hard to convince kids to go to cornfields in Nebraska. And I think you've got to give Scott Frost time. He has to form relationships. He has to form bonds with high school coaches and high school players that are not in Nebraska because the talent base isn't there. But you can point to this stat and say, hey, yes, it was a disappointing <laughs> season, but we're playing well against really, really, really good teams. Michigan is most likely going to be in the playoff. Ohio State's going to finish a top as a top ten team. Michigan State is probably going to finish as a top ten team. You know, this is a really good game for for them, or a really good season for them. If you ignore their record, which is hard to do, but I think the boosters and the AD and the president have to look beyond the record and into the numbers and say, hey, we've got a guy that understands what Nebraska is about, and we got to hold on to him, and we got to continue to win. Well, who who do you think is their best win this year? They've only won three games. You know their three wins this year? Northwestern was the only one they won in Big Ten play. Yep. Um, I don't know who they beat on a conference to get the other two. It was uh, I'm it sure was Buffalo and Fordham. And Fordham. I do remember. Yeah. And they had to fight. Game. And they had to fight against Fordham. They yeah. Fordham Buffalo the week before we played them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And and that Fordham linebacker set the NCAA record for tackles in a game. Like he was flying all over the place. Yeah. yeah like it's not good. It's not good at all. But you've got to build off of it. And I think if you're a school like Nebraska, you can't have a quick trigger. You're not allowed to because that's a school where, like I said earlier, you have to build relationships. You have to go into Texas and say, hey, you know, Texas and Texas A&M are going to be in the SEC and TCU is really good and, and Baylor's really good and SMU is a, pro, is, is a team on the rise, but you need to come to Nebraska. And that's really hard to do, and I think Scott Frost needs the time to do yeah. that. And I think he's the right coach to lead them forward as much as the fans and the AD and all that might be over it. But the last little thing, mentioning Texas, another team that was really good in Texas, University of Texas San Antonio, UTSA, the Roadrunners, came into this weekend undefeated. The last uh, undefeated team in – well, no, because they're in the uh, – they're um, – I was going to say the last group of five team because I, you know, I always think of Cincinnati as a power five team, but they're not. Um, but one of the, the few undefeated one of teams. Three undefeated yeah, teams. It was them in. and Georgia and Cincinnati. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well. well, no more. Uh, they got uh, absolutely rocked by uh, North Texas. But the point of this segment is, is not to drag them through the mud for losing, but instead to praise them for having a coastal esque season. They're going to finish the season barely ranked if not ranked at all and you know but this is this is a building point for them much like last season was for coastal this is a, a team that you point the finger at and say hey this is the bar now your 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 bar is now much higher than it was before and 
we've got to keep moving forward. And congratulations to them. Congratulations to the, their coach, to, to Trailer, for building that team into, into something special. And even though this year isn't going to finish exactly as you had hoped, it's going to finish pretty well at most likely 11-1, and one, possibly 12-1 and one with a bowl game win. Yeah, and this was, like you said, a season just like ours last year in a way. They didn't have some of the marquee wins that we had or the moments or really any of the national attention at all. But this was an example of a loss that I feared last year, a loss that you felt like could kill the entire momentum of your season and put you back in the cellar. So I'm interested to see how they respond and how they try to build off of that. But a game just like that is something that I was worried about all year last year on killing our momentum. So we'll see how they respond to that. But shout out to them. They're one. They're the second team receiving votes right now in the AP poll. I'm sure they won't be ranked in the playoff ranking. But if they win the bowl game in the conference championship, they'll finish the season ranked in the AP poll. Yeah, for me, um, just, you know, I got to praise them because nobody saw it coming. You know, nobody – I don't think anybody in Conference USA picked them to be, you know, number one in their preseason projections. So I, I really think that this was – even though with this one loss to North Texas, this was still a pretty damn good season for them. Not many teams can go 11-1, and 12-1, and 13-1 and say that they, they had a, a great year like this. So I think that, you know, it's they got two more games because they got Conference USA Championship with Western Kentucky – uh, coming up Saturday, so I think that I feel bad for Western Kentucky because I feel like they're gonna come in there, and it's gonna be bad for them. <laughs> and I don't know who I don't know who they're projected to play um, in their bowl game, but I I do know this: they're they're gonna be a team that's gonna fight, and they're gonna fight for what they want in order to get that championship, uh, whatever bowl game that they may be in. But yeah, this is a really great great year for them, and we're just gonna have to look and see um, what they can do in the near future and see if they can continue to keep getting 10 win seasons like this year was. But a really great year for UTSA, and hopefully they can keep it up. Yeah, they got Western Kentucky in the Conference USA Championship, like you mentioned, led by uh, – Western Kentucky is led by Billy Zapp, who we're going to get into some more draft coverage once that kind of rolls around after the National Championship and after the Super Bowl. Um, he's my sleeper pick to be the best quarterback in this upcoming draft. He's just a monster He's already reading defenses at a at a professional level, and I'm worried about UTSA in this game that, you know, it could lead to another disappointment. But yeah, I mean, I think we go ahead, we wrap it up there. You know, looking forward on on this podcast and on this show, and you know what a, a dramatic you know increase in viewership we've had. Uh, first off, thank you to all of you. Serious, I mean, it means the world to us that. Literally one person listens, let alone the amount of people that do. We're going to be moving into some different territory. Um, I know you guys have gotten used to pregame, postgame stuff. That will return for bowl game week, and you know I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more there. But we're going to be moving more to a national look. We're going to be moving more to a professional look. Um, we're going to be talking about the NFL, the NBA, maybe throw in some hockey action. <laughs> you know, and and transition this podcast not away from coastal because that's still our main focus but you know we'll have episodes thrown in here and there that are all about you know the playoffs and in the nfl and the draft especially um looking forward to, to where these shots will end up as as pro shots 
and this next batch that should be a pretty darn good batch headed to the NFL. Um, but yeah, look forward to, to that sort of content and then really look forward to us covering basketball a whole heck of a lot more. Uh, NBA basketball, uh, but more specifically, men's and women's teams at Coastal. Um, we're going to have an episode coming out pretty soon here, uh, re- recapping the beginning of their seasons. Both of them have played really well. Um, the men's team record doesn't show that, but they played really well. The women's team off to a 6-0 and start as of this recording. So shout out to both of them, and we'll have a full episode dedicated to them. But with that, I think I go ahead and sign us off. Follow us on Twitter at The Shant Show, on Instagram at Shant Show. DMs are always open. Send us questions, especially now that we've moved away from college football. What do you want to hear from us? What do you want us to talk about? Where do you want us to go? And uh, with that, I think I sign us off. Shant's up. Yeah, facts. Got enough skeletons to dig a couple ditches. I'm done holding shit in. I promise to admit it. My mind's been gone for a minute. It's missing. And I'm the only one with the shit you need to fix it. Now we strike one. I'm ascending next.